0: A few weeks ago, I published a short lesson, one of our Fig Tree Five, on a literary device that the Bible writers, as well as other ancient authors, it's a literary device that they use to help add depth to their writing and to help highlight the message that they intended to communicate. And this literary device is called a chiasm or a chiastic structure. Now, in the previous lesson, we looked at the underlying chiastic structure of the Tower of Babel story, and it's really a masterpiece of literary work. Probably one of my favorites in the Bible because it's so well put together, and it uses multiple techniques to help you understand the inversion that's taking place. So make sure you check out that lesson. First of all, you'll never read the Tower of Babel story the same once you see the underlying structure. And second, it really helps you raise your awareness of the techniques that ancient authors used to communicate, and it, these chiastic structures are throughout the Bible. So we have a link below in the show notes, it'll take you directly to that lesson, make sure you check that out. Now what I want to do today is I want to show you another chiastic structure. Now this one shows up in the opening verses of the Gospel of Mark, it's verses 1-15. to 15. Now these verses in Mark, they really stand out, it's an obvious prologue of sorts to the letter. They're setting the stage for what's going to follow. And by the way, it's this opening. It's the first sentence of Mark. This is why we refer to those four letters, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as Gospels. Now, that even gets confusing because Gospel is an Old English word, but it means the good news. So, when we go to Mark, it's the good news about what? Well, it's the reign of God as King, and it's the good news according to Mark. Probably the best way to say it. So, as I mentioned, a chiastic structure, or a chiasm, is a literary device. They're very common in ancient writings. They're all over the Bible, both Old Testament and New. And the authors use them to add depth, or to highlight the main point that they intend to communicate. And so, ancient authors, they use these literary devices to help their audiences. And, of course, audiences then looked for these structures to help them understand the main point. Now, this is a little bit of a review from our last lesson, but the chiastic structure is based on the Greek letter chi, which is an X. Now, actually, it's half of an X like this, kind of like an arrow, because when you lay out the pattern of what you're writing, it's going to end up looking like an arrow. So the structure then helps to drive us to the main point or whatever it is that the author wants to communicate. And the main point or the turning point of the text is usually located here at the center, number 5 in this case. So the first half drives you to the main point, or the turning point, and then the second half is like an inversion, takes you out the other side. That's the chiastic structure. So if we go to Mark 1, 1 to 15, here are all the verses, and they're going to end up looking something like this, just like that half of an x. And if we take a closer look at these verses, So, this is something that I think really stands out the most. Both verse 1 and verse 15 have the same theme. It's a theme that repeats, and it's about the good news. So, verse 1 says, it's the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, or Jesus the Messiah, depending on your Bible. And then we go down to verse 15, and we see good news repeated again. This time, the kingdom of God is near. Repent, turn, and believe. Now, the belief there is to trust, have confidence in this good news. The good news is about God's kingdom, and you have to have trust or confidence that God's kingdom is now reigning. That's the belief. So, on either end of the chiasm, we have the message of the good news of God's kingdom, the beginning of God's reign, or the re inauguration of God's kingdom reign here on earth with Jesus. He's the anointed one, the Messiah or the Christ, and he has been appointed to reign along with God, sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's the good news. Now, a second thing we notice then about this structure is that the first half of it is all about John the Baptist, and the second half is all about Jesus. And the turning point, as we'll see, is the baptism of Jesus by John. It's as if there's a transfer of prominence that's happening in the text. It's not only told to us using the words, it's shown to us using the structure. Now, why is this important? Why would it be important in that first century for the first century audience to make sure they understand this? Well, see, the Gospel writers are very clear that John the Baptist is not the expected Messiah and that Jesus is the Messiah that everyone was looking for. And if you notice, throughout the Gospels, the crowds are often confused. Jesus says to his disciples when they're near Caesarea Philippi, he says, Who do you say that I am? And the disciples respond by saying, Well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Still others say you're one of the prophets. And then, of course, Peter pipes up at this point and he says, You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And all of this is happening. It's in Mark chapter 8 at Caesarea Philippi, just prior to the Transfiguration. So, John the Baptist was a very popular figure. In fact, if you read in the book of Acts, it's Acts chapter 19, Paul is in Ephesus, and he runs into disciples of John the Baptist. I mean, this is like 20 years later. So, John is a larger-than-life figure, and the Gospel writers want to make sure that you're not confused. And so, this chiastic structure is one way to help you. John serves an essential purpose in God's plan of redemption. He's one of the heralds, he's announcing the kingdom reign of God, and he's the prophet that's going to anoint the king, just like Samuel in the Old Testament is the prophet that anoints the king. But don't mistake him for the Messiah, that's Jesus. So, this chiastic structure starts with John and his proclamation and ends with Jesus and his proclamation of the good news Of the kingdom of God. Now, there's other things that we can notice as well. So that we see at the top of the chiasm, there's a reference to the wilderness. They're quoting the prophet Isaiah, but you find the word wilderness. Correspondingly, Jesus is sent into the wilderness. So that's repeated. With John, you have mention of a voice. It's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. With Jesus, you also have a voice. It's the voice from heaven that declares Jesus is the Son of God. And then we have, both John and Jesus are proclaiming something. It's the same Greek word, although sometimes our English translations will make them different. John proclaims a baptism of repentance. What he's saying is, prepare yourself for the return of the king. Turn, that's repentance, turn and get back on the king's program. And with Jesus we have the proclamation of the good news of God's kingdom. And then, when we move towards the center, at the center point, John is first going to say, Hey, look, there's going to be someone coming after me. His own witnesses, I'm not the one. And this is immediately followed, verses 9 and 10, by the baptism of Jesus. And this is where the Spirit descends and is going to anoint him as the king. So the first half is all about John, starting with the good news and proclaiming repentance as that kingdom is now arriving and then it drives us to the point where John is telling us, no, 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 another one is coming on the scene. Immediately after that, Jesus is there for the baptism, and then it drives us out again to a second proclamation of the good news by Jesus. So the chiastic structure here, it helps to illustrate the message Mark wants you to hear. And what's going to follow in the letter is all about the good news of God and the coming reign of God as king through his son, Jesus, who will share the throne. He'll sit at the right hand of the Father. And it starts with John, right? John is the herald of the good news, and this all of this comes from the Old Testament. He is the one who breaks forth a breach in the wall. He's the one who kicks open the door for the kingdom to arrive. This is a reference to Micah 2.13. Micah 2.13, it says, the breaker goes up before them. They break through the gate and go out. Who's the breaker? Who's the one that's going to break open the way? That's John the Baptist. And then it goes on in verse 13, and their king then passes on before them with the Lord at their head. And the king, of course, is Jesus. He comes second. This is the witness of the Old Testament to the new. So this is what a chiastic structure does as a literary device. It adds depth to the text. They help us see where the author is pointing us. These structures are done very intentionally by the gospel writers, by Paul and others in the Old Testament. They're very intentional. In fact, they're communicating using the conventions of their day. And we have to recognize that. See, if these gospel letters were being written today, in, in, say, the modern West, well, they would look like a textbook. Lots of illustrations, data, straightforward sentences. That's how modern Westerners like to communicate truth. But the Bible wasn't written to modern Westerners. It was written to ancient Easterners. Now, yes, the Bible is for us. No doubt it's for us, but it's not written to us. And as soon as our awareness is raised, that we have to do some work to understand their cultural norms, then we get closer to that original message of what, say, Mark or Luke or Matthew intended for us to hear. So this is the power of using a chiastic structure to communicate, both for the writer and the audience. And when we can see the structure of the text, well, the message tends to jump out at us. This is what the chiastic structure does. So this one, it's a chiasm of the good news of the kingdom of God, Mark 1, 1 to 15. And this is where Jesus, the anointed son, he'll be ascending to sit and reign as the king and judge alongside the father. And that is good news.